Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Shift. And uh, today we're going to talk about remote productivity metrics and how you can be productive and uh, lead a, a, a team when they're remote uh, or they're hybrid and they're working from home. Ensure that your team has a high degree of productivity and that you're accomplishing your goals, hitting your KPIs and getting things done. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to share a story with you about uh, one of the uh, I think probably uh, strangely most productive nights that I've ever had uh, working while uh, while traveling uh, in probably one of the most chaotic environments uh, <laughs> that I've ever called an office. So uh, as, as you may or may not know, I have uh, been uh, working and traveling and living as what most people know as a digital nomad for a little bit more than five years now. And I found myself at one time in, uh, in Bali in Asia and generally speaking, I work U.S. hours. So that means that when I'm in Asia, I work all night, which I'm in. I'm actually in Jakarta right now. It's pretty much 1 a.m. and I'll be working till 5 a.m. But anyway, I was in Bali and uh, I, I wasn't really planning on working uh, this night. It was a Friday. I was going to take the Friday off. And uh, one of my friends uh, was putting together a uh, private party up in the mountains uh, at this at this hotel that was it's like this lodge that was uh, up on a on a mountaintop, kind of above the clouds and overlooking this this panorama. Uh, so I thought, okay, well, I'll go to this party. It's going to be a bunch of people there. It'll be fun. I'll take the day off, no problem. Uh, but then I, <laughs> as things happen, suddenly uh, had a couple of meetings pop up, and then uh, a deal that I was working on uh, became a little bit more urgent, and I needed to send a sales proposal that night. And then a project that was happening uh, was uh, actually. Uh, getting some delays and so i needed to support uh, so I have my team on that and help them out with pushing that project forward and all of a sudden this night that i thought was going to be just going to this party and having fun ended up actually being a, a work night which you know as a uh, as a friday it's nice to take fridays off but of course generally speaking most fridays still end up being work days and uh, when you got to get work done you got to get work done so what i did was i brought uh, i brought my laptop and i brought all of my equipment uh, I have a noise canceling headset. I have a, a external camera for my laptop and a whole work setup. And I brought that out uh, to the mountains to the party because I'd already told everyone I would be there and I wanted to go hang out with my friends, but I still wanted to get work done. So I went out there, got to the party, uh, and then everyone started getting intoxicated and dancing and enjoying themselves. And uh, I set myself up in the back uh, with my laptop and just started working. And uh, that night I finished sales proposal. Uh, I uh, gave a, a major presentation uh, to some people on a meeting, uh, helped out my team with their projects, and basically got everything done that I needed to get done uh, while there was a bunch of people in front of me dancing. <laughs> and as uh, this uh, uh, German dude was doing the robot in front of me, uh, the whole time I was uh, presenting on a, on a rather important meeting uh, that night. But uh, despite all the chaos, I uh, had a very productive evening and accomplished all the things I set out to accomplish, uh, hit all the metrics that I was trying to hit, and ultimately supported my team uh, in the way they need to be supported. And the lesson in this is basically uh, when you have the right, first of all, technology and tools, which I did uh, in my travel, uh, travel setup, work setup, uh, and when you have the right mindset and the right uh, ability to work, even in chaotic environments, you can be extremely productive, even when the deck is stacked against you. And, you know, it's, uh, uh I voluntarily chose to put myself in that uh, party situation because I still wanted to hang out with my friends. And, uh, of course, when I was done working, I joined them and, and had a couple of hours, uh, left in the night before everyone went to bed, uh, to, to have some fun. But, um, even in that chaotic situation, I was able to be extremely productive. And that's because I had the right tools. Uh, in order to do that. So what I'm going to talk to you about today is essentially how to do that when you are uh, working remotely or you're working uh, in a hybrid team and everybody's working from home and you're distributed at times. How do you make sure that you stay productive even when your environment is not a you know traditional, pure uh, office-based working environment where the entire purpose is just to work uh, and just to get stuff done? That's what we're going to talk about today. So first things first, Let's talk about productivity. What is productivity? Well, productivity is, is at a pretty basic level. It's just your ability to get stuff done. It's the efficiency of, of your business, of your team. Uh, it's, the, uh, it's the volume that you can output in terms of work. It's the quality of your work. It's, it's everything that happens when you take the raw inputs of doing business 
and you turn that into the outputs that make you money. And in a sense, uh, there's ways to do this well remotely and uh, ways to do this not so well. And when you're working remotely or you're working from home and you're not in the office, uh, I can tell you that when you're, when you're in a very high productive environment, things are great, things are amazing. But when you're not productive and you're not together in person, it is so ridiculously frustrating. And that zone is what you wanna try to avoid. Uh, as a leader, when you're running a team and things are not very productive, it can be very difficult to uh, ascertain the reason why the productivity is low. Uh, it can be difficult to get things back on track. And especially if things have changed in your business or you have certain cultural habits or things to overcome that tend to lend themselves to low productivity um, as you know the ups and downs of business generally go, uh, that can be very difficult to uh, to change. And so, when you're when you're talking about uh, how to uh, a measure productivity as an organization, and then also how to improve it, let's look at a couple of metrics. So, first things first, revenue metrics, and we'll break this down in a second. But in terms of revenue metrics, um, there's four revenue metrics that I want to uh, point out, just in terms of a, a starting point for assessing organizational productivity. And this is something that I used in my last business um, in order to determine uh, how well we were operating as a team in terms of efficiency and what the uh, what the output was in terms of our productivity uh, in terms of dollars. So first up, revenue per team member, essentially getting a sense of uh, how uh, how much money you're making for everybody on your team, of course. Uh, but you can further break that, that, that down a little bit more. And second metric, revenue per full-time employee reducing uh, out from contractors and part-time employees and people that won't have a full-time commitment to your team. Uh, those people generally, when you're architecting your team, can be flexed up and down because uh, if you have somebody that's part-time working on hours, maybe they're working 20 hours uh, a week for this month, maybe next month that goes down to 10 uh, or zero, or maybe that goes up to, uh, to 40 a week or 50 a week or 60 a week even, uh, depending on the needs of the business. But it's, it's a variable cost that you can control. So uh, revenue per full-time employee gives you a better sense of your uh, overall ability to generate uh, to generate dollars from your core team. Revenue per hour worked as well, another key metric, and you can break this down by team member, you can break this down by team, uh, if you have different teams working on different things, uh, but that just gives you a sense of uh, per hours worked, what's like the raw productivity of all of those hours. And you'll get a sense and aggregate of what this looks like, and then you can start asking some additional questions such as, well, if, you know, per every hour you're working, you're generating $1, $2, or is it 10, or is it 1,000? Uh, you can get a sense of, wait a second, that seems low, or that seems high, or maybe we should do something about this. So that's a good metric to look at. And then lastly, in terms of revenue, also want to look at revenue per payroll dollar. And that's just saying that for your payroll, um, let's say your payroll is uh, $50,000 or $100,000 per month um, on that revenue, what does that look like? Are you making 500,000 per month on 100,000 payroll? And of course, that's not factoring in cost of goods, uh, unless your payroll is part of cost of goods, uh, but that's not factoring in any other operational expenses. But that gives you a sense of for your team, are you, do you have too many people? Do you have too few people? Uh, is your team uh, working very efficiently to generate those dollars? So that's a couple of metrics you can look at in terms of revenue. Uh, next up, cash flow, EBITDA, profit, Whatever your bottom line metric is, uh, we can slice this a couple of ways on essentially the same metrics we just looked at in terms of revenue. So if you're looking at profit, of course, this is going to blend in other operational costs and expenses. Uh, but ultimately, the cash flow you have at the end of the day, uh, unless you're also uh, layering in complicated financial engineering into uh, into your business, your cash uh, output is going to be uh, the the most important thing. Uh, cash is king. And if, you're, uh, if your team is not very efficient at generating cash flow, that can be an issue. Uh, on the other hand, if your team is very efficient at generating cash flow, that can be a huge benefit. And uh, knowing this, uh, the distinction in terms of how your team is, is uh, operating in terms of the yields on their time, on uh, the people you have on your team, uh, and on the dollars you're putting in to, uh, to maintain that payroll, uh, that's a very important metric to know in terms of productivity. And then uh, lastly, we can look at this in terms of KPIs, uh, in terms of business goals and metrics. Uh, great, great metric to look at. 
the percentage of goals or KPIs that you hit in your month, uh, in your quarter, in your year. And like most people generally will track uh, completion of KPIs in their business across uh, teams, across people. Uh, but this is one of my favorite metrics to look at because it gives you a sense of the efficacy of uh, whatever you're trying to accomplish as a business. And so that's assuming that your strategy has uh, been created to generate more revenue, generate more cash, uh, and overall improve the business. Uh, if you accomplish that, I mean, that's predicated on that assumption, but if you accomplish that, you should move the business in a good direction. So uh, if you are not hitting your goals and if you're not accomplishing your KPIs, then is your team really that productive against what you set out to do? And, you know, you could make the case that, well, maybe those goals were unreasonable or maybe those KPIs didn't make sense or maybe something happened out in the market, but let's just assume that you have good, solid business planning and those goals aren't hit, that's a problem, right? So you need to know that on a going forward basis in order to adjust uh, who you have in your team, what you're doing with your team, and in a remote sense, start tackling any kinds of problems. Because if, if you have, say, a particular KPI that for your marketing team, four people are nailing it, one person's not, well, something's going on. And it's difficult to diagnose that and see what the problem is when you're remote. So as soon as you know from the numbers that something's up, you want to go and immediately tackle that and see what the hell is going on and see if you can fix that, get a good solution in place. Uh, and then going forward, you'll be able to accomplish your overall business goals uh, in a much better way. A couple of other KPIs, units of work per team person, uh, that could be tasks, projects, deliverables. Uh, that's very base level tracking of metrics in terms of productivity. Uh, when your team's remote, that can be very important, especially for uh, lower leverage employees, individual contractors, uh, uh, or sorry, individual contributors, uh, contractors even that are working on different projects because you know you're not there with them in person. You don't necessarily know what they're working on. So uh, if the raw inputs of work are a key factor, uh, for example, uh, if the hours spent uh, writing to create content, uh, or if the number of cold calls dialed for a sales team are uh, you know, if that's the primary task or uh, a majority task of somebody's time, you want to make sure that they're actually doing that work. And when those units of work get uh, tracked and get updated in terms of tracking software, in terms of spreadsheets, in terms of dashboards, uh, if those numbers are on uh, or off, you obviously get a sense of is stuff getting done. Uh, but then you also can match that up against uh, the goals that you can accomplish as an organization. So uh, if you're if you're remote and goals are getting missed, you don't know why and you talk to everybody and they say oh yeah 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 no i was i was i was doing my cold calls i was doing what i needed to do and you go talk to the marketing team and they said yeah we're running campaigns everything's we've been optimizing them uh, and you go talk to the product team and they're like yeah we introduced all these new features it's great uh but something isn't adding up if you are uh, specifically tracking those units of work on your team you might get a sense of a very different picture so maybe the marketing team has been uh, really working on some solid campaigns the sales team has been sending a lot of cold calls but Maybe the product team hasn't, maybe they've been shipping features, uh, but they haven't been spending very much time on those features. And so you can quickly zero in on some of these issues uh, in the business. And of course, you could have these kinds of things done in an office environment too, but when you're remote, it's even harder to ascertain uh, the root cause of issues. So it becomes more important to track the base units of what's going in to uh, ultimately what you deliver to clients and uh, to customers. So units of work. And then last uh, item here, the real work hours per person. Uh, again, if you, I would say probably also for uh, individual contributors and especially for contractors, uh, if you want to uh, hire somebody to do a particular thing and they're working remotely and there is a tendency, let's admit it, when you're working from home uh, to, you know, uh, maybe I'm supposed to generally work an eight hour day but for four hours of the day i'm oh i'll do a bit of work and yeah oh, you know what i'm gonna go make lunch two hours of lunch and come back work a little bit and then oh you know what i'm just gonna take a break and watch a show and then i'll come back and you know that does happen and you know as much as i'm an advocate of uh remote work and it's something i've been doing for a very long time of course you know this is this is reality and there's some days that i don't feel like working uh, generally, I do, and uh, it's important to me to work uh, very hard even when you don't feel like it, but um, the temptations are there. So when you're tracking the actual hours of work people are doing, um, you can use software for this. Uh, there's things like we used to use in my last business, we used to use Harvest. Uh, there's like Time Doctor, Hubstaff, things like that. 
And generally speaking, uh, you can use these things to track the hours that people are putting in. And if you, uh, uh, people will generally, I think, well, if you have an honest team, they'll be honest. Um, but people are very much incentivized to uh, try to hit their target as much as possible. And if you notice any discrepancies or things not adding up, that can quickly identify, well, maybe people aren't working to the degree that they should. And then you can decide what to do about it. So in terms of KPIs, that's one that you can track. Now, let's look at this from a couple of other angles. And really what we're getting at is if we're tracking the metrics, we know what's going on, we have a good sense of what's going on in the business, great. But how do we improve this? How do we get to a place where we're an extremely productive team, we're getting shit done, putting stuff out there, uh, and here's a couple of different ways how. So first of all, the leadership toolbox. This is eight ways that leaders can uh, influence their teams in order to increase productivity. And uh, you'll, uh, if you're watching this on, on video, uh, you'll love our uh, little AI-generated toolbox here. I'm not really sure what's going on here. There's a couple of uh, weird-looking tools. But uh, the point remains, it's a toolbox for, uh, for leaders. So first things first, energy transfer. This is important. And say any, uh, anyone who's been in a management or a leadership position uh, that has been working in the office and then out of the office, uh, you get a sense that the, you know, the culture, the energy, things are not the same when you're out of the office. Well, that does not have to be the case. Energy transfer takes place in terms of optimism, in terms of motivation, in terms of excitement, in terms of happiness. That's a real thing that happens when you're working with other people. And when you're, when you're hanging out with people, uh, we're humans and we tend to transfer this kind of energy when we're doing things together. So in your communications when you're, when you're working remotely, energy transfer can take place as well. And if you're just sending a message that's like, okay, or just, and I'm, I'm guilty of doing this uh, uh, a bit of time to be honest, but you just send a thumbs up uh, emoji, uh, you don't get much context from that. It doesn't give you much energy in terms of uh, what the other person's receiving from you. But if you, for example, are on a, on a video call or you start writing a message and instead of just saying, okay, you say more like, okay, sounds great, excellent work, let's get this rolled out very soon. Um, and uh, by the way, can you mention, uh, uh, can you update this to, you know, to somebody else on the team and uh, uh, let them know that I said uh, that uh, this, is, this is a proof. Very different, right? That other person is going to feel a lot different from that second message versus just the, okay, let's launch. So, you know, they're going to have some function, especially when you're very busy of balancing the, uh, the quality of your communication with the, the, the draw on your time. But generally speaking, the point stands. Energy transfer happens in your communications. Try to make that a good one. And if you um, are trying to uh, lead your team in a certain direction, uh, try to put that energy into your communications. And in particular, this is one of the reasons why I like video calls, because you can transfer energy much better on a video call than you can in a written communication. You lose a lot of context. You don't have any body language uh, when things are written. And when you're on a video call, you have voice, you have visual cues, you can see people's body language, it allows you to transfer enthusiasm and just generally energy in a much better way. So energy transfer. Second thing, meetings. Meetings are key leverage points for uh, increasing productivity in your organization. When you're working, you can work asynchronously. Uh, it's very hot right now in remote work circles to work without any meetings, without uh, even working in the same hours. But what you lose in terms of not having meetings are the ability from a leadership perspective to drive your team in a certain direction, to get alignment between everybody, to sync everybody in a sense, uh, to press forward on projects and, and, and goals and things that are, uh, that you're striving towards as an organization. And so, Look at those meetings as very, you know, even even recurring meetings, even standard meetings, even just like uh, Monday all hands or uh, or stand up or something of that nature. That's not just a, a thing you have to do uh, in order to update the team on on uh, a couple bullet points of what happened, right? That's a leverage point that you have in a distributed uh, remote organization to synchronize everybody who's in different places mentally, physically, emotionally. Get them all together on the same page and drive them in a new direction. So use meetings to your advantage. Um, next up, SOPs. Any kind of repeated tasks, you should have SOPs. Uh, you might already have SOPs for a lot of stuff that you do. You might not, but this is one of the things that, to be honest, I wish we'd done a lot more of. Uh, at my last business, uh, we, we did a lot of custom work. I think if we'd had more SOPs, uh, we would have been uh, much more productive because when you're repeating work, when you're rebuilding stuff from scratch every time, 
especially as a remote team, uh, there's a lot more communication needed when you're remote uh, to rebuild things that you've <laughs> that you've built before than if you're uh, together in person. So SOPs, excellent. Use them, do them, love them, all that good stuff. Uh, next up, support structures for your team, especially if they do not ask for things and they do not ask for help. One of the things with remote work is that uh, everybody's you know in their own zone and some people are very good at asking for what they need, other people are not. And it depends at times on people's personality types, on people's habits, on uh, on your team's habits, on things like that. But uh, I've found that even when you know you've you've put it out there as a leader that if you need something, ask for it. Um, if you have questions, ask them. If you need help, ask. Some people may not feel comfortable, or they may not uh, go go to uh, to ask as their first move, and that can be difficult. Uh, when you're trying to get stuff done as a team because any kind of delays and all of a sudden you've lost a day because someone didn't know what to do and uh, you didn't get feedback in time. So now you lost another day and in an office, you would just walk over and say, hey, what's up with this thing? Uh, or they might say, hey, by the way, I need some help or whatever. But remotely, uh, you get that extra barrier to those kinds of requests. So the key uh, for you as a leader is to try to structure uh, your support structures in terms of how you how you lead, how you manage, um, how you work with your team. So that even if people don't ask, they still get what they need. And uh, there's proactive uh, requests from you or other people that um, are comfortable um, asking for things or seeing how people are doing and making sure that those are uh, those requests are happening. So uh, those people on the team that are not feeling comfortable, you know, that, uh, that working with them is a whole whole separate uh, <laughs> conversation. But uh, but you want to make sure that the business succeeds and you're very productive despite those situations happening, right? So that's something important um, that you can look at in your organization. And then um, also management. This comes up again and again uh, from people that are working in remote teams and especially um, people that have had bad experiences. I see this a lot, um, conversations on LinkedIn and different parts uh, uh, different parts of the remote work world. Generally speaking, uh, management can be a bottleneck for uh, for productivity when you're remote. And if you're not trained up, on the best practices and the best ways to work remotely, that can bring the whole team down. <laughs> your your uh, your your managers are your highest leverage points in terms of uh, driving people forward, in terms of moving projects forward, in terms of getting stuff done. Great high output management can really move the needle. Um, poor management can drag people back. It can cause people to quit. It can cause projects to get delayed. You don't want that. And remote is different. Um, and when and in hybrid working from home versus in the office is very different than working in an office. So you want to make sure that your management layer of your organization has all the best practices and all the good habits about working working remotely. And uh, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, and you kind of suspect that some managers in your team might not have the best practices, uh, shoot me a message. Contact uh, contact us on our, on our website and I may be able to help you out. Anyway, next up, vision, goals, tracked KPIs, absolutely foundational. Uh, these need to be uh, uh, created, broadly distributed, digitally enabled, verified, known by all. And uh, uh, that should be something that can happen in a remote capacity uh, that's very easy for everybody to access. If it's not, you're going to have delays in terms of getting KPIs updated, in terms of getting data and information, in terms of, you know, you hire somebody new and they don't really know what the goals are of the business right away. And then at some point in a meeting, you're hybrid, they go into the office and someone mentions it. You don't want that. Right. You want everybody to be on the same page with these things and the operating system of the business should be able to operate uh, without everybody being together in a room. Number seven, trust, but verify. Very important. Trust is key when you're remote. Uh, if you're if you're running a team and your team is working on their projects, it's very important that you give the adequate amount of trust for them to be able to do their jobs. Uh, but of course, uh, you know, Ideally, in a best best case world, trust would be enough. But typically, you know, it's not always so. Trust, but verify, uh, and also related to the next point, for new hires, definitely check up on them more frequently, give them more support, give them more guidance, uh, and also make sure that they're doing good work and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. Make sure that they're actually accomplishing their tasks and things like that. Um, after they've proven themselves, give them more autonomy and. They've, they've proven themselves. They can they can handle some more autonomy and responsibility. Uh, nothing new, but when you're remote, you get that added layer of everyone's kind of isolated in their own zones. 
and you want to try to avoid that isolation uh, and allow everybody to yeah have enough trust to do the things they need to do to to get their work done. You don't want to really be micromanaging and and, and hovering over their shoulder in a sort of ghost like uh, <laughs> digital uh, uh, team sense. But you know you also want to make sure that uh, they're doing the things they need to do. Thus is the uh, balance of remote team management. So I'll leave you with one more leadership item. Know your KPIs as close to real time as possible. If this is difficult, if it takes you a month to get your KPIs together, this could be financial, this could be um, productivity metrics from the team, this could be hours tracked, this could be uh, product shipped, this could be um, uh, goal completion, KPIs, what have uh, regular KPIs, what have you. You got to know this as close to real time as possible. Um, if this takes you a month to get, it's way too slow. This takes you like a week to get. I mean, if you have this updated on a rolling basis, on, on a weekly basis, that could be okay. Uh, daily, real time, even better, because that gives you a sense at any time. You can look at the key metrics of what's going on in your business. You can know the pulse of what's working, what's not working, what's important, and then you can apply uh, some pressure in order to uh, change, make the changes that need to be made and uh, influence the course of the business in a productive and good uh, way. Now, let's talk about culture. Culture is extremely important uh, to all organizations. And when you're remote, uh, you need to have culture done in a slightly different way than if you're together in an office. Uh, it's a different animal, but the same beast. That's a quote, uh, Kobe Bryant. So first of all, the enemy of culture is isolation and burnout. I think all of us after 2020 probably have felt this to some degree. And I mean, it's tough. Everybody's in their own zone. They're working at home. They're working out in uh, cafes, maybe co-working space. Um, you know, everyone has different home situations, uh, different, uh, different circumstances. And it can be pretty tough sometimes, especially if, uh, you know, a project goes wrong or something gets screwed up and people might uh, on your team might take that a little hard on themselves. And then all of a sudden, you know, even if you don't think it's a big deal, they might feel like it's a big deal. And then that can lead to that can lead to burnout when that doesn't get addressed. So you want to proactively avoid this at the management level at all costs and make sure that uh, you're doing things to mitigate this risk and make sure that if you have a sense that somebody might be feeling isolated or burnout might be taking place. You know, you're noticing a lack of quality in someone's work. You're noticing that things are getting slipped. People are showing up on video calls with the camera off when it's normally supposed to be on. Uh, those are signs that there could be some of this going on. And you want to proactively try to address that and uh, make sure that everybody's good. And if you have a culture of doing this, you can prevent people from flaming out and uh, falling off the ship. You don't want that. So yeah, that's the first point. Second point, uh, quality of work it is very important when you're working remotely and you don't have anybody there with you uh, on your team. Yeah, you're 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 working on something. You're putting together a report, a project, bup, 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 and then you say, okay, all right, eh, it's good enough. I'll just ship it. You never want that. You want to have uh, everybody on your team be proud of the quality of their work to the degree that they would sign their name personally on everything that they ship out. And uh, this is like the uh, I come from the marketing world, the the old uh, ad agency. Uh, executives uh, used to do this. I think Ogilvy did this back in the day. He would sign his name on advertisements that went out and uh, the New Yorker and, and all that stuff. Uh, that's the bar. That's the standard. So if you have someone on their team and they say, uh, yeah, this is, this is good work. Okay. And then you go to them and you say, hey, well, would you put your name on this? Would you, would you tell our customers that you made this? And if they said, yeah, sure. Great. If, but if they look at that and they say, uh, I don't know, or I don't think that's appropriate or, that's a sign that it might not be something they're actually proud of. Um, that's the kind of culture that you need when everybody's working remotely, because if uh, people are uh, shipping inferior products, you're going to have revisions. You're going to have back and forth, trying to get things to a degree of quality that they should be. Or even worse, if you don't have quality controls in the business, you're going to be shipping bad work, which, you know, of course, leaves unhappy customers that uh, causes uh, clients to churn, that uh, leads to uh, quite a few negative impacts to the business. We don't want that. So point number two. Point number three, you need capable and supportive managers. Very much a theme here, uh, especially in terms of making sure that your managers have uh, uh, best practices down solid for remote work. If your managers are not capable of really supporting a good remote team, you're going to have a bad time. Your culture is going to suffer and it's going to be the fault of the managers on your team. And especially 
uh, when you have the power to make sure that your managers are trained up and capable of working in this environment. Uh, you think you have a responsibility to your, uh, uh, to your business in order to make sure that happens. So point number three. Next point, intentional work-life balance. This is tough. Work-life balance for a lot of people is a pretty contentious issue. Uh, you should have a good sense of where your business sits on this balance. And key point with this being that uh, there, there might not be a balance towards life. Uh, it could be a balance towards work. It might be very hardcore. It might be 80% work, 20% life. It might be 80% life, 20% work. Uh, but that should be a very specific choice and that should be upheld and communicated and known by all. And if you want to push hard on different business objectives and different projects and different things, uh, that uh, indication should be telegraphed well in advance, should be communicated, should be understood, and should have a lot of buy-in and alignment around that push, which gives you, know, you from a leadership perspective, uh, the onus to make sure that everybody's on board. Because if you have a very casual work-life balance and all of a sudden you want to push very hard on a new initiative in order to, let's say, double revenue in a year, uh, that's a very hardcore. It requires a lot of hours. It requires a lot of input. And unless you have everybody on board with the level of work-life balance, it's going to uh, it's going to be tough because when everybody's working from home, you have a tighter integration of work and life. So the impact on your work-life balance is can be a little bit more hardcore than when you're working in an office. People can uh, much more easily work late, work extra hours. And while that's nice in terms of flexibility, uh, you need to be careful to not pull the lever in the direction of work too hard if everybody's not ready for it because that can lead to again people burning out people getting frustrated and people potentially even leaving your team and that's uh that's not something that you want so a consideration uh next up the outcome not the excuses i think uh, uh most people would generally agree that this is important for teams to have but uh when you're remote you get an extra layer of considerations to uh, to to handle because you know, someone says, oh, I was working, uh, but, uh, oh, I was on my phone and I was, you know, so I couldn't, I couldn't respond to that thing. And, uh, oh, I needed to go get some groceries and, oh, I needed to go pick up my, my, uh, my dog from this and, and that, and I didn't get an update because I was here and everyone has a million excuses, but of course the results are what matter. Uh, when you're remote, there's so many more variables that can impact, uh, your work itself. Of course, if something's important and, uh, and it's a, a personal matter, and you have a flexible work policy, great. Uh, that's the whole point of working in such a way in the first place is that people have more flexibility. But uh, at the same time, uh, you know, you got to have good practices around this. So if somebody has an appointment, make sure it's known in advance. It's on their calendar. It's not a surprise when someone else needs to contact them about a project. And um, uh, if somebody's, you know, if, the, if they're at home and they're not responding and they're making up excuses, make sure to, you know, be able to address that if that's really the case. Uh, and if you have a good culture around how people integrate their work and their personal life, uh, then you can uh, then you can know <laughs> what things are bullshit and what things are real. And uh, when there's clarity around that, everybody feels better about this, and you can run a tight ship. and And that's an excellent place to be. So, outcomes. Next up, strong work ethic when working. Very important when you're working remotely. Uh, it's on you. It's on you to figure out your schedule, to figure out your work. And if you don't have strong work ethic, if you're not getting stuff done. Um, that's going to impact your productivity and which not great as an organization and as an individual, not great either, because if you don't have a strong work ethic, maybe in the short term, you work a little bit, you, you slack off, you relax, but in the long run, it's going to impact you because you're going to get as far in life if you have that work ethic, right? But again, from a productivity perspective, not great. So important to ingrain that in your culture uh, and celebrate that and support that. Uh, next up, time and space to release pressure when things get intense. Uh, something that I used to say um, with my with my old team was that uh, the business comes in waves <laughs> and uh, things sometimes are very intense and sometimes very chill. And that tended to be, uh, that that's how I do life, generally speaking. And that's how we uh, did the same with the business. Uh, we would push extremely hard to increase revenue, grow the business, uh, work on projects, and then We'd, uh, after a couple of months of doing that, we'd complete some projects, we'd get new clients and we'd settle into a new plateau. Maybe we'd hire a few people. Uh, and then when we hit that point, we would take the foot off the gas and allow ourselves to uh, rest and relax a little bit more, uh, and still doing work, but maybe not as intensely. Uh, that was very intentional because uh, that gave us the ability to release the pressure from when things were really intense. 
if you're constantly, constantly working at, a, at an extremely intense level, 80 hours a week, 100 hours a week, that's just impossible to sustain. Everyone will get burnt out. So if you're going to push on the gas a little bit sometimes, have the ability to also release that pressure sometimes too. And when you're remote, it can be tough to, you know, A, have the signals to know when people are feeling burnt out uh, or uh, uh, work can at times, if you, if you if you're pushing, work can creep off into personal time and all of a sudden you didn't even intend it, but now everybody's working long hours and nobody wants to be the person to say that, you know, they'd rather have it another way because they're all on board with the mission. But actually, it would do everybody a lot of good if there was an ability to release some pressure besides a vacation at some point, which, you know, even if you have an unlimited vacation policy, if you're remote, um, it can be tough to really commit to that too, because, uh, you know, especially if your work is important, you want to make sure that you do good stuff, right? So, um, so that's important. And then last thing, um, when it comes to how the work itself actually feels, uh, it should feel like the screen isn't even there. Like you're not even sitting in an, in your home office, like you're not in your house. It should feel like you're, you're there in the trenches with your team, getting shit done, doing work, and you should feel connected to everybody and, uh, uh, in an environment where you can really, uh, do good work. And I think this is a very important concept because, uh, if, if you're, uh, if your instincts tell you you're working, but you kind of feel like you're still in your home, you work a bit and then you go and, and, and you're in your house and, and you work a bit, but you're just, hopping into work and out of work, that's going to be very different than when you sit down to work and you're plugged in uh, mentally to all of the tools that you use, all the people on your team, you need something, you send a message, you call, you jump on some video calls. And when, it, when you do that well, you get a sense that you're just right there with everybody. You're not with them there in person, but you have this feeling of being connected to the pulse of the business of everybody. And to me, that's a signal that everything's going right. If I don't feel that, then it means there's something uh, to be improved, either with myself, either with the business, either with the way that our operations are running, or maybe it's our technology, maybe there's something that we don't have that we need, um, things like that. But that's a key part of what good quality remote work should feel like. And so if you can't feel that, um, or some version of that, or like your own interpretation of what that kind of seems like to you, then that could be a sign that there might be blockers in your culture that are preventing you from getting to that point, right? So that's culture. Now let's talk about communication and collaboration. Ultimately, I want to look at this from the lens of two things, uh, slow communication and miscommunication. And on that basis, slow communication is a huge bottleneck to your outputs, right? Slows things down. You can't get stuff done as quickly. Maybe you had a, a project that was supposed to take a month and it takes two months. Of course, that's going to impact your productivity. Uh, second item, miscommunication. Miscommunication can erase your progress and really fuck things up if you aren't careful, right? Extra costs, all of a sudden, you know, you had a project that, uh, that, that screwed up a client and the clients dropped pretty bad, right? They can really set you back. So you want to make sure that your communication is on point. And when you're a remote team, uh, I mean, I think we all know communication is important for business uh, and for work, generally speaking. But when you're working remotely, it is even more important because you're not there with everybody. The only way that you can collaborate is to communicate with them uh, remotely. And that means that you need to do that well in order to be a highly productive team. So if your communication is slow, here's a couple things you can do. Uh, long messages that are being sent, such as emails, such as uh, slacks, team chats, things like that. Uh, if they're, you're going to send a long message, make sure to format it. Use headers, use bullet points, emphasize key points. Don't send somebody just a big paragraph of text and make sure that your team isn't doing this either, right? That's impossible to read. <laughs> no one's going to look at that and actually read the whole thing. They're going to skim it and then they're going to call the person and say, hey, by the way, I want to talk to you about this thing, right? And Or they're going to soak up another 20 minutes reading this long message when it could have been formatted better for easier readability. So that's an easy habit that can improve those kinds of communications. Uh, use video versus written text. Video can often convey things a lot quicker and uh, uh, depending on people's communication strengths, some people are very good at written communication, other people are more of a talker and uh, video or audio message might be easier, better, faster to communicate than using text. Um, it might be a little extra work, 
you need to look presentable on camera. Uh, but if it'll take you 30 minutes to write down your thoughts on something, I send it via email, or you could jump on a call at, or uh, a call or a video message and for five minutes talk about something and send it to someone. Five minutes to record, five minutes to consume versus 30 minutes to type and best case, five minutes to consume, right? We're already talking almost double the, the time in terms of that communication. So that's an option. Uh, also, you can utilize open audio video call rooms, open uh, uh, Slack audio uh, uh, threads where you can jump in the room, talk to everybody, open Zoom calls, things like that, uh, collaborative uh, calls where you just have the camera open, people can even jump in and out, so you're working with somebody. Um, great. Because that can speed up uh, your ability to work together as if you were sitting together in an office, right? Uh, can experiment with that however you want. Uh, if miscommunication is a problem, uh, then you're going to want to improve the accuracy of your communication. So that means elaborating on chat messages uh, and emails. If you're sending short messages, consider adding more context, more length, uh, more information. Uh, I am unfortunately very guilty of this, uh, especially when I'm pressed for time and I'm very busy. I tend to send uh, short messages, maybe assuming that people know more than they do. Um, I try to I try to work on this myself when I'm busy, but you know, it's I think. Well, a lot of people in leadership positions can relate. Try to give your team more context, right? Uh, more video recordings also, again, easier to transfer information. Uh, and then also try to reduce your back and forth. So over-communicate, new things, new projects, new ideas. Uh, use shared project briefs, templates as much as possible so that you have alignment on key components of projects before they get started. Uh, jump on calls if you need to, to seek alignment or adjustment. And don't make it a big thing. Um, Depending on the on on the thing, you could wait until a major team meeting if it's not critical. If it is critical, you could jump on a quick call and quickly sort something out. Try to do that as much as possible in the appropriate way to uh, yeah improve uh, uh, the accuracy of the work that you're doing to make sure everyone's on the same page. Also, use the right communication channel. Urgency, needs, complexity. Certain things should be a phone call. Certain things should be a video call. Certain things can be an email chat message depends on what they are uh if something's urgent call immediately if something is uh, uh not so urgent but it, it's pretty complex it's a project brief for a complicated thing all right maybe write down a lot of the details maybe put together a video message and then get someone on a call right use the appropriate chat uh and then lastly integrate work and life scheduling you should have a company-wide calendar with uh shared visibility and when you're working remotely teammates need to know when you're in when you're out when you're on when you're off uh, and if they're going to get a hold of you, they need to know what you're doing. So if they're messaging you, expecting you to be on uh, online, and you're not, <laughs> that can be a bit of a problem. So uh, an hour later, two hours, three hours, four hours, and you've lost a whole day just because somebody didn't know when you're on. And maybe they could have worked on other stuff, but they're just waiting for you to get back to them. You don't want that. Make sure that you have good communication about what everybody's doing, about your scheduling, uh, and your calendars are uh, synchronized and shared. Now, key concept briefly, digital space. Uh, this is something that orchestration we've been working on a little bit as a, uh, as, a, as an idea, an underpinning for good quality distributed work. And that's what your digital space is. So your digital space essentially uh, combines a few different things. It's your, it's your project management tool. It's your internal team chat. It's your email. Uh, when you open up your laptop and you jump into Chrome or Safari or I don't know why you would do this, but if you're using like uh, Microsoft Edge or or whatever, uh, it's it's your browser, it's the plugins you use, it's the bookmarks you have, it, everything. When you go into your laptop and uh, you start doing work, you know what tools do you use? What's your software? How are you organized? Your digital space is extremely important, and you want to treat your digital space like you would a physical space. And I, I would really go so far as to consider my digital space my true office. I may be working in a co-working space, uh, in a home. Uh, in a cafe, that's not my office. My office really is my digital space. So when I open my laptop, I have I have an empty desktop. I don't put anything on my desktop because I don't want to be distracted by clutter. Uh, I organize my files regularly, make sure that all my files are uh, in the proper folders so it's easy to find stuff. Um, I, I tend to use uh, the quick uh, search. So I think it's uh, Controller Command K on most platforms. Uh, to search for different things I need. So if I'm searching my Google Drive, I'll search for a document rather than poke through folders to find it because I find that's a lot faster. Um, we use a project management tool called Height. Uh, we use a, uh, a note 
tool for our knowledge base called Obsidian. Um, we use Notion for SOPs and for internal documentation. If you're going to use these things, that becomes your digital space. So your company has digital space and how people operate inside of this digital space, um, uh, that is how they move about your office. So you could, you could kind of think about the analog to an office, right? <clears throat> if you have everybody walking the halls, you want to make sure it's free from clutter. If you have people trying to find someone to talk to them, they should be somewhere where they're easy to find, where, you know, if they're available, you can see if they're in a meeting. Uh, if you're trying to give someone some information or you're trying to uh, move around, uh, you want to be able to know these things, right? So um, it's it's fairly important that uh, uh, it's fairly important that you keep your digital space clean, well organized, and in a good place, right? Uh, tech, hardware, software, hardware bottlenecks—they will kill your productivity. You need fast machines, so make sure that everybody has uh, a good laptop, fast computer, good Wi-Fi, <clears throat> good fast router access, good internet plans. At home, it's important that everybody has access to fast Wi-Fi. Um, huge productivity bottleneck. And oh, so this getting a notification for a meeting real quick. Um, want to make sure that you have uh, reliable quality cameras, mics, good digital project management, uh, high throughput configuration for your software. You may have project management tool, but are you using it correctly? Uh, very important. You may have SOPs, but can people find them? And do they know where they are? That's very important. Um, if you suspect that your company might not have the uh, best configuration for your project management tool, like Asana or Monday or Airtable or Notion, um, drop me a note, go to orstn.com, contact, uh, and uh, we can help you out with that. Brief plug. Um, moving on, champion and praise good home offices and travel tech. Um, when you have good technology and uh, you, you really have your shit together, so to speak, with your, uh, with your home office, that is amazing. And as a business, I think it's important to celebrate when, uh, you know, I think when you have a home office, you tend to put your own personal touch in it, uh, get the things you like. For me, I like to have speakers and and a nice uh, a nice desk set up and a nice chair. Um, everybody has their own thing. Maybe some people are minimal. Some people are, um, you know, more uh, like cyberpunk. I don't know. Uh, some people would like to have things very clean and elegant. Celebrate that, you know, uh, uh, share that with team and make sure that uh, uh, everybody knows that uh, uh, what those offices look like, because frankly, it's uh, it's cool. And I think it's a, a nice little bump culture wise to uh, to have that shared internally. Um, same thing if you're out traveling, if you're working at a cafe, oh, where are you working today? Oh, nice. Very cool. You know, that's, ah, oh, it looks beautiful, blah, blah, blah. You know, let's talk about it. Uh, other things, software, collaborative where possible, Google Docs, Microsoft 365, um, don't use hard save documents. It's a pain in the ass. Be collaborative. And we have very modern tooling around this. Use it. Uh, KPI should be tracked at the software level, digitally enabled, very important so that you are able to uh, use KPIs as a leader, even when people are not in the office. And uh, last couple things, everybody should know how to use the company technology fluently. They should be good at navigating your folder structures. They should be able to use your project management tool. If not everybody can do this, then you need to tackle that as a bottleneck. That will bottleneck productivity. They will be slow to operate uh, your technology. They will default to other communication channels and other types of organizing which will drag everybody else down. Very important. Uh, and lastly, everybody should be using a digital to-do list, uh, note-taking app, calendar. It should all be digital. If, not, if it's digital, you can search it, you can share it, you can manipulate it much easier than on paper. A lot of people like analog uh, notes and things like that. That's great, but uh, not for a, a high output uh, distributed remote hybrid company. Should be digital, right? So that's tech. And then Lastly, real quick acid test. If at a top leadership level, so let's say you're the CEO, you're the COO, uh, and you're getting the team together, you have leadership uh, leadership meeting, everybody in that meeting should have consensus that they feel like productivity is A plus level, that it's really good. If you don't have consensus on that and you don't have this feeling, then that likely means that there's room for improvement, even if the metrics look decent. If you're knocking out of the park, if all of your, you, know, you got solid KPI tracking, your goals are being crushed, I mean, you kind of know your productivity is, is, is pretty solid. But I mean, in most cases, that's not, uh, not what's going on. I love it. 
uh, if, if everybody listening to this, uh, if that were the case. But I mean, real life uh, usually lands somewhere in the middle of crushing it and uh, uh, and, uh, and and failure, and then you have to navigate the difficult road to get uh, into the crushing it zone uh, out of the the messy middle, right? So uh, if you're in this situation, this is a good acid test. Last thing, plug. We have a free remote health assessment. You can go to our website, orstn.com, and take the assessment. It's health assessment in the top right-hand corner. Um, this is actually an old image of the assessment. Uh, if you go there, it's free, and uh, we'll ask you a series of questions to diagnose uh, the productivity, the quality, and the potentially opportunity for optimization in your business. Uh, we have a system we've developed in the back end to calculate scores, generate reports, and recommendations on uh, things that you could do to reduce expenses, improve your bottom line, uh, and ultimately grow your revenues. So take it, it's free, check it out. Uh, last, last, last thing, I promise, uh, how to stay updated, follow us on LinkedIn, orchestration, uh, go to orstn.com, join our email list. Uh, you can follow my Instagram uh, if you're interested, Andrew underscore Ishii, and all of this can be found at orstn.com forward slash connect. Go check it out. Thank you for listening, and we'll uh, uh, hopefully uh, see you again on a future episode of this podcast. Ciao. Well, that wraps up this episode of The Shift. Your time is very valuable, so I greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Remember to subscribe to our podcast if you would like to hear more. And do not forget to leave us a five-star review. Reviews are the best way that you can help us on our mission to accelerate the world's shift to remote work. Now, if you were listening to this podcast in transit, I hope that you made it to your destination. I hope your journey was quite enjoyable. And if you're listening to this podcast at the gym, I hope that you had a good workout. I hope you got shredded. And of course, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what you're doing, I hope that you're able to gain some valuable insights that you can implement into your organization. Until next time, peace.